Hello and welcome all to episode 12 of The Media Beat with Maureen and Claire. And we know that every episode of The Media Beat is special, but this one is super duper special because we are welcoming our first ever guest. Um, Emily Horgan is joining us and a couple of words on her in a second. As you know, Maureen leads the media practice at Arthur D. Little, management consultant, and works with various clients and investment companies on media strategy. And her friend and associate of many, many years, Claire Tavernier, has worked in the industry and consulted to the industry in an incredibly large variety of roles. And Claire has worked with Emily uh, for quite some time and so has asked her onto the show and we're very pleased to have her. So Emily Horgan, um, she is an independent media consultant and she has worked at Disney for many, many years. She specialises in uh, kids TV and movies and has recently done some research and published it on the analysis of Netflix kids strategy and more of that later. The list of franchises that Emily has worked on is as long as your arm. Uh, but some of them include Star Wars, you may have heard of, Marvel, you may have heard of, Disney Princess, Mickey Mouse, the list goes on. She is at home surrounded by some very cool merch, uh, which when you work in IT, you you just get like a pen or whatever. Uh, but Emily gets uh, soft toys of all the characters that she's been involved in uh, in uh, promoting and creating. It is a great pleasure uh, to welcome Emily Horgan to the show. Hello, Emily. Hi, Oliver. Thanks for having me. As an independent consultant, I really welcome the opportunity to air my thoughts outside of my own brain. So thanks so much for that. <laughs> absolute, absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, we look forward to those thoughts flowing out. Um, Claire, as uh, the person who's brought Emily to the show, and thank you very much for doing that, of course, maybe you'd like to um, start off. I know that we're going to be uh, talking about theatrical windows in the kids' world, particularly, and Netflix. But uh, maybe you maybe you should start the conversation, Claire. Yes, well, first of all, welcome, Emily. It's brilliant to have you on the show. And I hope our listeners will notice that we've uh, we found somebody with a yet another different accent so that you can recognize who we all are. Um, Emily is knows so much about kids content and there's there are so many areas we could explore but I thought today we should really uh, focus on films, movies and uh, I know Emily that you've spent quite a lot of time looking at specifically the impact of the pandemic on theatrical releases versus um, VOD and I'd love to hear from you what's what's been happening you know what are some of the big case studies what what are some of the platforms thinking and what, how do you see it evolve yeah yeah sure claire thanks so much um it's a really interesting moment uh for the industry at large as far as i see it you know the pandemic hit um though at the same time that we never nobody ever could have predicted it hit at the, the the real start of streaming wars as they were disney plus had just launched uh, hbo max was in the offing paramount plus etc uh, challenging Netflix in the space. The other interesting thing that happened around that time in kind of early 2020 is we started seeing some metrics come through for streaming performance, which we hadn't had before. Um, this started with the top 10 trending uh, trending ranking, which isn't super scientific, but uh, it, it gave us some sort of indication. I, I don't think Netflix, I don't know whether they intended that to be the case. It was introduced as a discovery tool but some smart folks started scraping it and at least using it as some sort of compass. Then came in Nielsen with the SVOD, uh, their SVOD ranking in the US. Uh, that extended over the course of the last two years uh, to 30 titles now. 
Uh, and then last year, um, Netflix did this pivot where they previously had characterized the success of their titles by their reach, essentially, by the number of um, subscribers who viewed them. Um, that was at one stage 70%, then it went to two minutes. Uh, but they flipped that to start talking about um, hours viewed, so more of an engagement or a frequency kind of a, 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 ra- a ranking or a rating. Um, there's a couple of reasons why they did that, to kind of decide on what the yardstick was for the streaming industry at large, in which they clearly have a have a, a, a massive head start in. Um, but, you know, I think it's just it's just been a really interesting overlay because, you know, we've actually finally been able to track some of the performance of content with on, with, uh, upon streamers. So because before that, there was almost no no data, right? No data. I mean, if it was shared with producers, it was shared granularly out of context, you know, unless you're going to have a number of titles with a streamer, you're not going to be able to have any sort of comparison. Um, yeah, there was very, very little and, and nothing public, nothing publicly other than, you know, data notes is the, the term like what 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 kind of data you know the companies chose to share and usually that's obviously positive when they're choosing to share it um so it was really interesting and, and there was also then this two-year period in the pandemic when you know releases on streaming were really pure like the, the theatrical theatrical releases just weren't really an option even if they were they were always light so we kind of got this like a run of of building context of what pure streaming were very like focused streaming releases would look like. Um, and so now we come through to this year, over the summer, theatrical is is back, you know, sorry if you can't see my air commas there, um, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it, 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 is, it is recovering and it is open and it, it is at large. So um, then the interesting thing on top of that is there's a number of family animated movies that came in around that time. And the, fu- the funny thing about animated movies and, and, and kids' movies is, there's sometimes not as much flex in terms of the windows and stuff, particularly when you're talking a big franchisable movie where maybe deals are done with toy manufacturers or promotional partners. You know, sometimes you just have to go when you have to go. Um, whereas maybe some of the other other um, adult focus films have a bit more flex. Um, and so th- this has been a really interesting moment because we're finally seeing what the relationship can be between a theatrical release and then its streaming its streaming window. Um, so there's a few there's a few interesting ones that hit um, it, last Christmas. Encanto had a limited theatrical release. I mean, I think last Christmas, it's fair to say, it, the recovery wasn't there. We could see it. The light was at the end of the tunnel, but we were still in the tunnel. So Encanto, um, big Disney release, right? And they and Disney had their own platform, obviously Disney Plus, that yeah. they were very much pushing at the time. Yeah, sorry, I, I always assume people are watching as much um, cartoons as I am. Yeah, Encanto, huge movie. Most Lin people Manuel have heard of Encanto, Miranda. yeah. <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda soundtrack took over TikTok. It had a limited theatrical release around Thanksgiving, November in the US and, 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 and globally. And then it was on Disney Plus for Christmas. And then it saw, per US Nielsen uh, rankings, uh, SL rankings, which is the only thing we can see on Disney Plus, this massive success. Um, dancing like we had we had already seen all the Pixar films had gone to Disney Plus over the pandemic. We had seen examples like Ryan the Last Dragon. Like basically, mm-hmm. Disney put Pixar purely to Disney Plus, and then they played around with Walt Disney Animation Studios releases over the course of the pandemic. But suddenly, you saw Encanto. You know, we thought we knew what success was, and suddenly Encanto was dancing highly above any of the other um, any of the other releases that have come out in streaming. 
Uh, on top of that, Sing 2 released in cinemas. Sing 2 is Illumination, and it's interesting, it went to theatrical uh, at Christmas. Now, Illumination is owned by NBC Universal, and technically they do have a platform, Peacock, but it's not, you know, the success of Peacock is, is not as widely kind of distributed, it's not necessarily global, and so the key window that hits for them is the Netflix window, which is kind of like a pay 1.2 window. Sometimes it's a pay one window, sometimes it's a pay 1.2 window if, if, if sometimes Peacock takes that first window, but it's not so widely distributed and that tends to be for, it's a short window, it's like a four month window in the US, I think. So Sing 2, which is the sequel to, I, I, you know, Sing, which was a, quite a big franchise, quite a big uh, hit for Illumination a few years ago, hit Netflix over the summer. And once again, we saw redefined what success for an animated movie on Netflix looked like. Now, Netflix have been chasing animated movies for a number of years. They had some strong statements about wanting to catch or potentially pass Disney. Um, I think they've had to eat some humble pie on, on what they've, you know, what the success they've seen for those titles. And there's lots of reasons behind that. But they had titles like um, Over the Moon was an original. They took a load of Sony titles, you know, COVID it over in the pandemic, uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines, Vivo. Um, the Sea Beast is, was the big one that they launched over the summer, which came, comes from Chris Williams, who's the creator of Moana. He, he had done a ton of stuff at Walt Disney Animation Studios. And the Sea Beast was a big deal until Sing 2 hit the platform and just catapulted, you know, in terms of performance as, as to what we could see. So the, the, then it became this question of, you know, does it, you know, does theatrical help streaming, which it seems like it possibly does. Um, and it's a, it's a thing that the, these family films find themselves very much at the forefront of. Um, and I, I often think that kids content is, can be a canary in the coal mine for the industry. You know, we, we tend to be at the, 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 the knife's edge of cuts. <laughs> um, we tend to be, you know, we, there's certain things around, there's certain uh, elements around the, the space that we work in that means we're, we're subject to certain forces. Um, and I think we saw that as well, like earlier in the pandemic when Trolls World Tour was that first movie to break that theatrical window and it was absolute wigs on the green is the Irish expression for it. <laughs> this is a new Handbags. one for our podcast, let's keep it. Uh, Handbags I, I, about that. <laughs> I, uh, I wondered how the financials work, because for a kid's movie, I'm assuming theatrical brings in quite a lot of box office money. And obviously, once you've put it on streaming, you get potentially new subscribers do you i don't know or do you maybe lower churn but it doesn't actually bring you extra money so is that a big factor you think i think i definitely the theatrical money is 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 like the theatrical revenue is a huge part of you know the pnl of, of a franchise like this when you have a hit you know that streaming window i think becomes quite powerful because that's the way kids kids binge, right? They binge what they love when, you know, when they love it, right? They're not going to sit to, you know, bingeability is a huge conversation and streaming Netflix love the binge approach. Kids won't won't necessarily binge when you tell them, but if something's huge, they will just binge it ad nauseum. So like Minions movies on repeat, you know, for weeks on end. And so they repeat I think that's, as well. So that's quite, you know, they just watch over and over again. 100%. And that's something we've seen over that over this kind of streaming, this pure streaming period is, 
you know, the repeatability of, of movies, Disney plus, and obviously the Disney titles have been hugely there and not necessarily in the perfect order that you'd imagine. Obviously Frozen is huge, but something else we've seen is huge is Moana. You know, Moana is not necessarily such a well-known top of mind Disney movie. Uh, and yet we've seen that, you know, it's it's up there competing. Okay, Frozen has two movies. So obviously the overall number there is going to be bigger, but it's definitely competing with those individual titles on Disney+. Plus. So that repeatability, it's it's that, that idea of, you know, Disney used to know how many DVDs it sold. It never knew how much they were replayed. And now it can quantify that and sell it back to partners and, and say, listen, hey, I know Moana was five, six years ago, but we can demonstrate that there's still a huge audience for it. You know, and obviously with kids, you have the audience cycling in because kids who were six then loved it and are moved on, but there's new kids who are six now. And, and you know, the, the opportunity to say, can we do, can we continue the, the franchisability of Moana, you know? And that's that's dem- demonstrable in, in the streaming numbers, you know? So it's a really, it's, it's kids are, kids is subject to, or fam- and family movies like these are subject to, to various forces. Um, and then when you have a sequel, it all should reign true perfectly, which it didn't necessarily um, with Lightyear. And Lightyear, I know it's not a sequel, it's a derivative of the Toy Story franchise. Obviously, the, 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 it wasn't received perfectly well. It launched in theatrical over the summer. Um, it, did, it, did, it did okay, but it certainly didn't do big Pixar numbers and definitely not Pixar numbers for an established franchise. Um, and then again, once again, we saw that hit streaming, um, which was the first Pixar film to, to hit streaming or sorry, to hit theatrical, like a full fat proper, proper release in three years, actually, because Pixar hadn't released since summer 2019. Oh, they, they released Onward uh, straight into the headwind of the pandemic. So, you know, no one's got to hold them to account for that. Um, but before that, it had been summer. So. Lightyear came in over the Lightyear came in this summer, um, and again gave us more context on on whether that theatrical window or or not whether I guess maybe probably everybody always thought it was going to be additive, but I'm not I'm not sure everybody could see how additive it is. You know that theatrical profile, the marketing, how much it establishes an IP or a title in people's minds, and that you know when when that title then hits streaming, it's all all boats rising with the tide in terms of content distribution. Um, so like that's that that's a key part of what we're looking at now and how the windows can work together, what the right windows are. Um, Disney have Strange World coming through. Um, it's releasing um, Thanksgiving weekend. We can only assume that they'll make the choice. They haven't released the decision yet to have it in homes for, for Christmas. If they don't, you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of that, that. That's a lot of the picture. That's where we're at. And it's just it's because kids is such a niche being able to just track this relationship and de- demonstrate the the new normal in, in terms of metrics is something that gets me very excited and <laughs> keeps me busy from Monday to Friday. So, so, so Emily, um, I find this area so fascinating and, and of course, very, very specific and very uh, particular uh, uh, kids content and animation and film, the film industry surrounding uh, uh, kids. Um, I just wonder if, if there are things that we can look to to extrapolate and to think about the wider film industry. Because when we're talking about windowing, um, I mean, we've been monitoring this and we can see that um, we're looking at an average sort of uh, theatrical window of 40, 45, okay, for sort of some, something like Spider-Man and Maverick, considerably, you know, longer 80 plus days. 
But but as you talk about Lightyear and Encanto, you know, I noted sort of 30, 40 days. What what do you think we can draw from 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 your analysis of the windowing um, and how we should be thinking about uh, the decision making processes for the studios and streamers as 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 cinema is recovering, uh, how they will what type of films they will be thinking about day and date or uh, specifically using the exclusive windowing? Yeah, I think there's, again, this kind of new normal is, is settling, Maureen, and, and we're seeing different considerations and different trends emerging. Some of them are, are maybe obvious, like that that whole, you know, Thanksgiving US theatrical hit, hitting a streamer for Christmas. It's obvious when you think about it, it's actually something that's kind of been done throughout the pandemic. Um, but solidifying that to make sure that whatever you're releasing around that period, that you're comfortable with the short window, you know, because pushing it to uh, pushing it to the new year is it's just a wasted opportunity. And actually, interestingly, I think the windows for illumination, you know, because some of them are set and the window for illumination, as far as I understand, for Mi- for Minions Rise of Gru has to hit in 2023 on Netflix because of the Peacock window. And that is such a waste. You know what I mean? I think it's hitting January, mm-hmm. you know, whereas bringing that forward to Christmas is just so such an obvious win in terms of that engagement. Um, we're seeing that, you know, beyond kid, beyond kids. We're seeing that with the Knives Out uh, sequel, the Glass Onion, uh, the Knives Out Glass Onion, and Knives Out. It's a, a Knives Out mystery movie or something very catchy like that. Whatever <laughs> the title is, um, Netflix are releasing over theatre over Thanksgiving weekend. It's broader than Netflix have done, but limited. It's 600, 600 screens in the US and a few different places across Europe for sure, um, because they want it on their platform for. Um, they want it on their platform over the holiday, the holiday viewing period. And that is something that we've seen, you know, in terms of viewing on streaming, like, and again, just like, just like, uh, just like terrestrial television, Christmas is a huge period. And, and, and streamers are starting to line up their content in a really intentional way over that period, you know, to be hitting, you know, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. And, and that's something we've seen over the pandemic. I think at other times of the year, there's opportunity to be a bit more creative and look at the individual title and what kind of tides and, and tides and currents it's subject to, um, you know. But I think being intentional about it and being flexible about it is is the key thing because you end up locked into an ongoing window because of an output deal or whatever. You, you end up like Illumination and Minions. It's like that should just be hitting at Christmas, right? That, that's just such a wasted. Yeah, and listen, I don't doubt that that you know, Rise of Gru is going to be, and Minions is going to be huge when it hits, but it's just, you know, you, you just ha- have that flexibility to look at the whole picture. Um, and I think that's something that's come come through from the pandemic is that it's one size fits all doesn't actually isn't helpful for anyone really, you know, and having a bit more flexibility about Windows is 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 an opportunity. Well, that's that's really interesting. That that yeah, it would be it be a good outcome, I think, if we get, if we ended up with a flexible windowing strategy that sort of takes into account the type of movie and the time the, the time of year, etc. Uh, and it sort of looks like we're we're going in that direction. Uh, yeah, uh, and it, well, we're talking about the metrics, which I find fascinating as well, and I know the analyst community does too. And we will start to see probably more data being provided to. Uh, the city and Wall Street. Um, it's this concept that that both you and Claire have been alluding to: this viewership and engagement versus revenue. Uh, you know, cl- clearly cinema and the economics around cinema and, and the PL has 
as 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 brought in significant revenue, significant box office. And they are split down the middle, you know, 50-50 with, uh, you know, theatres and, and the studios. Um, and remember DVDs. Rec- DVDs were well, bringing yes. in revenues. You couldn't track them, but, you know, they were a huge yeah. revenue generator for Disney for many years. Yeah, the ancillaries too. So, And that, and that all sort of, I think, afforded the building up of a franchise and you behave differently, you know, for a franchise versus sort of one-off, let's say, one-off mm-hmm. ad hoc type films. So when you're building a franchise, you know, you're, you're seriously considering... I guess, viewership and engagement, which is probably going to be the counterpoint to, to, to revenue. I mean, do, 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 what, what are your thoughts on how the studios are behaving? Um, you know, let, let's take, you know, Hocus Pocus, you know, and, and how, how that is, is being considered in terms of building franchise, continuing to build a franchise versus, versus foregoing revenue uh, that they would have otherwise get, you know, in theatres. What's the what do you think is 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 in their mind going forward, especially as we're considering or we'll be going through recession, uh, or yeah. we are at the moment and continue in twenty twenty three. Yeah, it's 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 a key thing, and and you know that that P and L and that theatrical revenue is obviously a, a huge part of it. But I think the, also the question is how you quantify the marketing value of a theatrical release too. You know, because that that really feeds into the longer the longer viability of, of the content that you're launching and um, hocus pocus 2 is an interesting one so that um hit disney plus um in time for spooky season i think it was released on the 30th of september and the nielsen numbers on that have come through obscene right it's beaten wonder woman 84 which was the big hbo one it's beaten all the pixar films it's beaten you know it's it's the biggest it's the biggest launch that we've seen from the US Nielsen, US Nielsen point of view for Disney Plus. And I guess the question is, like, the bigger, the better, but actually, once you're huge, how much, how additive is all, you know, once you, like, is the, even if it took a haircut of 10% or 20% because I had a theatrical release, you know, once you're big and you're huge, like, there comes a point where you're not really getting any more for being bigger, right? So I think Hocus Pocus 2 is an interesting one. And again, when we talk about flexible windowing, you know, the Halloween season is limited, right? It's it's not, you know, it's you don't have this kind of relatively comfortable Thanksgiving cinema moment. It has to happen all over one month. Otherwise, it's out of date. It's not relevant. Um, and I think the question of whether, you know, a theatrical release would have opened Hocus Pocus to, to other, uh, other audiences who then might have considered subscribing to Disney Plus and how, you know, they might have been into... Is there a Hocus Pocus series? Is there going to be a Hocus Pocus 3? I mean, I think it's, you would have to think it's pretty evident that they're going to continue to mine that that um, that franchise. And I think that's also, you know, this is also the tension point with streaming and theatrical is also interesting when we consider live action movies for families, because I think that's a uh, live action movie, like family live action movies and teen live action movies have been out in the cold from a cinema point of view for a long time. And actually, you know, Net, something Netflix does really, really well and has actually done really well um, is create uh, an offering for teens in that teen movie space. They've been doing it for years. They have, you know, numerous pr- uh, sequel, threequel mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, franchises to all the boys I've looked before, The Kissing Booth, uh, The Princess Switch. They have all sorts of teen movies. Some are super silly and like might have a bit of dancing in them. You can watch them with your nine-year-old, you know, brother or sister. And some are really real and talk about you know, big stuff like gender identity that teens are going through. And I think they've done a really good job in creating this metrics. 
this sorry, this matrix of movies that can kind of conveyor belt teens up to then their key uh, some of their key series. Think of Stranger Things. Like I love Stranger Things, but it's there's ob- an obvious entry point for for teens given the casting mm-hmm. of the, the 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 main crew. Um, Wednesday. Uh, the Wednesday series, Wednesday Adams, is a is a big one that's coming out in in a couple of weeks, um, and I think you know that's a that's that's an it's an impressive thing uh, Netflix have done because teens think Netflix is cool. Like, and do you know how hard it is to be considered cool by a teen? Like, that's a hard. It's a hard. It's a hard I know. Hard I have job. some at home. They don't think I'm cool. <laughs> Uh, and and obviously Disney last year tried to they launched Jungle Cruise that was their big, big live action and they launched it on Disney Plus and it I don't think it did that well I mean it wasn't terrible it was a terrible movie to be honest but uh, I want to we we're we're running out of time which is very frustrating because there's like I have another fifteen questions but I'm I we have this plan. Uh, that we've put together of a sort of slightly extended um, sh- uh, long or short that Oliver as the taskmaster for this for this podcast is going to take over and run so over to you Oliver yes absolutely golly I was um yeah I was the same I had some questions but my questions were so sort of lame in comparison to those of the professionals I thought I'd keep them under my hat but there's always going to be um, a chance to welcome Emily back I hope if she'll have us back she might be having an awful time but anyway um long short. <laughs> As you know, uh, it's where uh, we give our opinions uh, on whether things have a long-term future or only a short-term future. And um, Emily knows the rules. She's been fully briefed, don't worry. Um, so let's let's dig in. So I think the, the first one's fairly obvious, but let's do it anyway. So long short on uh, Disney slash Pixar. And let's obviously start with our guest, Emily. Yeah, it's an obvious long. I mean, Disney know kids movies this is like their bread and butter it's the long the longest long that ever longed <laughs> very unequivocal what that. we need That's is strong opinions long long. <laughs> ever long uh claire any dissension to that i bet there isn't uh i mean it's a long i wouldn't say it's the longest long i think they've really managed that turning point uh for kids uh and theatrical and managed the windows i think uh you know to, to pick up on on uh emily's point earlier i think they're not there yet on teens and they used to own teens i mean remember disney channel right remember all of these series it was musical i know high school musical all of these and they've they've sort of lost that I think at the moment and they tried to revive it with Marvel and I don't think it's worked as well as they thought it would so I'm going to be it's a medium long for me thank you <laughs> okay you know I like my rules I don't like a new category being introduced uh short or long it's binary that's what makes it so fascinating the longest long uh Maureen I'm going to be long and I'll stay short with that comment Ah, very good. Wow. <laughs> We're breaking down the categories of long now. Uh, let's move on to another one. Netflix. I- I'm still going to go to Emily first. Netflix. I can get my Simon Cowell on and say, you know, for me, today, it's a short. <laughs> you know, I think Netflix have really wanted to get there. Um, and and they, I think the, the, the mind is willing and the, the body is weak. I, I would love to see them turn the corner on their kids their kids offering um as i said they've had to eat humble pie i think on this um but sometimes humble pie is a very va- is a very you know valid and, and and motivating thing so you know 
they're the biggest, you know, the highest, they're the highest penetrated streamer in the world. You know, they have an opportunity. They just need to, to, to grab it. And it's not going to be easy, but you know, for now today, it's a short. Beautiful Cal. Uh, Maureen. <laughs> um, uh, so, so no, I, I'm a bit more sort of medium long, but does that tip into long with Netflix? <laughs> Uh, two, 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 two reasons. I actually think it's fascinating what they've done with teenage uh, uh, content. And I think the commissioning of To All the Boys I've Loved and Kissing Booth and Kissing Booth 2 is phenomenal. So the fact that they've been able to eat Dis- Disney's lunch, I give them a bit more credit. And plus also I give them credit because I think that they've partnered up with Microsoft cleverly. Uh, they're doing all the right things in the UK in terms of uh, measurement, preparing themselves with Barb and the like. So I, I'm, 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 I'm applauding them, subtly applauding them over here. For the tape. Thanks. Maureen applauds. Uh, and Claire. <laughs> I, for kids' content on Netflix, I'm going to go short. Um, I wonder whether they're just going to give it up at some point. I don't know... I mean, if they're starting to look at cost and where they are currently winning and where they're not, and the and and the sort of you know the, the, the equation in terms of bringing shareholder values, I think as as Emily said, they have eaten humble pie and they may decide it's just too expensive for them right now. I don't know. And they can take you know they can continue to take umpteenth windows on mm. established franchises that aren't a risk, right? So they're doing that now on the you know the Moonbug stuff. Anything that's big on YouTube, they'll like. They're like, yeah, we don't care that it's there. We know they'll watch it here, and parents will actually be happier to put their kids watching nursery rhymes on Netflix because they're not they're not going to get served, you know, ads for Game of Thrones or whatever, you know. So uh, they, 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 there's a way of right sizing it for them. It's just it's just not very exciting. And the next one is Apple TV. Emily, I. I, I'm going long on Apple TV. I really like what they do. They have a real focus on quality. And in my view, they have a real focus on, I don't want to say like vegetable content, but content that's good for you. That like It, it tastes nice. I don't know what tastes nice, but is also good for you. Um, they're, they're, they really invest. Um, so one of the films, you know, taking it back to films, um, they have a multi-year de- deal with Skydance Animation where John Lasseter has landed after his uh, unseeming exit out of Pixar. Um, you know, that's subject to discussion. There's a great Emma Thompson letter that I recommend everybody go and read on the, on the subject. But, um, you know, he, there's no doubting his his track record, okay? Uh, and I think, you know, he definitely has the chops to bring Skydance uh, strongly on. Their first film launched on Apple TV Plus this summer, Look. Um, we've been told by Nielsen or we've been told performance from Nielsen and, and with context that it was considered very, very good um, reach of 2.2 million people in the US uh, Netflix or sorry, Apple TV plus is obviously far less penetrated than any of the other platforms. So, you know, we don't know if that's good for them or we're told it is, we have to just believe it. Um, but I also think the theatrical question should come in here as well, because I think theatrical releases for those Skydance films short theatrical uh, with a short window to apple tv plus could help both skydance and animation and apple tv plus um, build on what they're trying to do i think that's a real really good example of where that could really bear fruit for for all involved 
I love this idea of vegetable TV, uh, broccoli TV versus ice cream TV. Or, uh, uh, candy uh, floss TV. Yeah. That was it, candy floss TV. I knew I'd got it wrong. Candy floss versus broccoli TV. Uh, lovely. Um, all of us who are how have been parents of small children where you try to force good things into their mouths. Uh, Claire, Apple TV. So I'm a bit confused by Apple TV, and for that reason, I'm going to go short. Not because I don't like that content. I do love that. I mean, I think, for instance, they did Wolf Walkers uh, a few years ago. That was amazing. It's one of the best kids' movies I've seen in, in a long time. I just don't really understand what it does for them and what their strategy is. Because, as you say, they don't do theatrical. They don't create franchises. That doesn't seem to be in any way their strategy. Uh, so I'm not sure why they're doing it. They seem to be doing it for awards, which is work. They have won a lot of awards. But I, it, I, from a business perspective, it confuses me, and therefore I'm going short. That's fair logic. Uh, and they've also put their fees up. I just got an email yesterday. Uh, oh. My monthly fees for Apple TV has gone up by an enormous amount of percent. They probably say it's only a pound a month, and then I go, I work on percentages. Apple, don't get me started. Isn't, sorry, isn't it interesting that they introduced a fee increase the day that netflix introduced their ad tier yeah, yeah. it is interesting i think they're saying <laughs> our clients are not cost uh, price sensitive which is probably true as well yeah, yeah probably uh, damn them uh maureen apple tv so for me um apple tv is long uh for three reasons it's about their patience their premium and they're very well capitalized so I think there'd be some good stuff coming down the pipe from them. That was why you are one of the leading consultants in the UK. Brevity, clarity, and three very nice points. I can just see those on a beautiful um, Arthur D. Little PowerPoint slide uh, that we spend a lot of our lives preparing as consultants. Uh, thank you, Maureen. So we are moving on. Uh, Universal, and obviously that encompasses DreamWorks and Illumination. Again, our guest... Um, has the opportunity to go first. Emily. The content from Illumination and, and DreamWorks is, is a total long. Um, I think there's an interesting tension with Universal in terms of this notion of their own platform. Like Peacock is not, not you know, it, it hasn't brought in, it hasn't brought in the subs. Obviously it had the Olympics in the US, which I, as I understand, was was a real uh, pain. Um, the question is, should they just get out of it and become arms dealers? Uh, I would say they should. And so, you know, but if they choose not to do that, then it's more of a short. Is that is that helpful? Is that can I can I do a, can I do a mishmash like that? It, Absolutely, the you're allowed. Content, the content we make is we make the rules, Emily. You have to understand okay. that. <laughs> yeah. It's it's what in consulting we call a framework in which we can work in something like that. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a anything that allows um, uh, interesting, interesting uh, opinion. Um, uh, Maureen, you're you're up next. Uh, Universal, etc. Yeah, and I would add to that. It's it's what we also call some of the parts. So you put <laughs> yeah attribute certain value on different parts and different assets of the business. And I think I'd go down that route as well. Uh, content absolutely long. I'm a little confused about you know their position vis-a-vis -vis competitors. I think they're sort of a uh, waning a bit so I'm, I'm a i'm a medium i'm a medium on that so but but long definitely on the content 
a pH 7, as chemists would say. Maybe this is a scale rather than binary. No, it must remain binary. No, binary it must be binary. Binary, binary. binary. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the nerdiest thing I've ever said is it must be binary. Well, it's not much of a slogan, um, except if you're in IT. Uh, Claire, uh, Claire, universal. Okay, I'm going to stick to my direction, which is I'm making my long short based on business strategy, not content. And from that perspective, it's a short because they need to choose. I agree. Although I'm not familiar with the terms arms dealer, which I think is interesting in the context of kids content. <laughs> but I, I, uh, I agree. I think they need to choose and they don't have a valid kids platform at the moment. Uh, and they need to accept that. So until they do, they are short. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, next one, uh, Paramount Emily. So Paramount, I think, are a bit of a dark horse. You know, I think people maybe thought that they weren't really invested or they were going to be a bit mishmash. And certainly at the start of their launch, I was like, they keep, their content was remained everywhere. So, right, like, you know, iCarly was on Netflix. Like, you know, some of those, like, real household, you know, this teeny tweeny kind of live action shows were, were, were distributed in loads of places. Hulu, I think... Um, but actually, I think they're they've leaned into this, you know, all boats rise with the content distribution time when it comes to kids. And if kids are loving the shows, they will find them everywhere. Um, and they've done some smart stuff like the Paw Patrol movie, which was huge. It was a big acquisition driver for them. It was a top 10 acquisition driver. I know Clifford the Big Red Dog was a, a big uh, acquisition driver for them. Um, and they've got, you know, like the likes of SpongeBob and obviously Paw Patrol. You know, I think... I think they have I think they have an offering. I think they're being very pragmatic in this whole conversation about exclusivity. Um, you know, Disney went very hard on the exclusivity for Disney Plus very quickly. I, I can speak, I, you know, we can all imagine how painful that would have been internally to the revenues, whereas Paramount have been a bit more like, yeah, we'll leave it in places. We'll, we'll call it back over time. We know people love it. They had like the iCart, they had a, like an iCarly reboot series, you know, it's it's yeah i just i think they're, they're playing a pragmatic game and and i buy into that so it's a lot i like it thank you that makes a lot of sense um it's claire's turn claire on paramount yeah i i agree with emily <clears throat> i had written them off i'm gonna be honest with you when when i heard they were launching the platform it's like well yeah that's never gonna happen and now i'm considering whether i should go for a few months and see if I like it, which tells me that they're doing something right. Uh, and so I'm a I'm a long on Paramount. I, li I like what they do, and I like that they're doing it under the radar. I think it's quite smart for them. You know, as much as this, it was smart of Disney to go out and do a big bang, they've gone out quite softly uh, and made their mark. So I like that. Always a, a reasonable business strategy, Maureen. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm in concert with uh, Emily and Claire. So uh, along, I, I agree. I, I think they're, they're, they're making some really smart moves. I think they've got some really cute little uh, executives. Now I have to go and check the list of their executives. <laughs> well, one of them is I'm a big fan of, uh, of Tom Ryan. Is this Tom Ryan? Tom Ryan of Pluto. Uh, that's that's come across, and I just think that was an extraordinarily brave move seven eight years ago. Where you know he's he's, he's basically said I'm into advertising. Advertising is not going to go away, you know. And and Paramount lifted its head up the parapet and said, you know, 
great, we're, we're going to buy you and kept it in place and, and do some fantastic things for it. So in a wider context, you know, outside of kids, I think Paramount is being smart, you know, and, and quietly, confidently, you know, getting on with stuff and really sort of fermenting their positions, you know, um, I think it's cementing their positions, sorry, uh, 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 in, in a manner of, you know, appropriately businesslike uh, way. So, yeah, I'm, I'm long. I'm long on that. Hang on a minute, www.paramount.com slash our leadership team. Oh, yes, yes, that's what you mean. Um, <laughs> lovely. Uh, moving on to Sony, our ah, Sony, long short, uh, Emily. Long. And this, Claire, this to your, to your, to your, to your comment, Sony are the arms dealers. Sony are the real content arms dealer in the streaming wars, and I'm here for it. Sony Pictures Animation also are doing great stuff. Um, they won the um, animation Oscar with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse a few years ago. They kind of come up a bit stealthily. Um, the movies that they sold to Netflix, they, 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 co- they were COVIDed to Netflix in the, in the pandemic because they weren't going to hit theatrical releases. But The Mitchells versus The Machines is one of the best kids films that I've seen in a long time. Um, so I definitely recommend people check that out. It's on Netflix. Um, yeah, I'm I, I, I just, I like the way they just they're just picking their lane and it's not the lane it's it's the opposite lane that everybody else is picking and they're saying yeah we're going to make content you're going to buy it you're going to want it and we're going to be able to you know get you to pay what we want you to pay for it i mean um hotel transylvania which is another key animated franchise of theirs they'd had a long-standing relationship with netflix they'd had all these movies like the like mitchell's going there but in the end for hotel t4 amazon whipped out the checkbook sony were like thank you for your money, you know, and, and they were able to just flip flop around that because they know their content's good and they, they can just, they can just choose their choices where they need to. So I'm, I'm long on them for sure. And spoiler alert, the Mitchells does not refer to the Mitchell brothers from EastEnders. So if you're an EastEnders fan, you're going to be um, sadly disappointed. I'd, I'd imagine if you dipped into that, uh, that particular franchise. Thanks, uh, Emily. So we're still on Sony, uh, Claire's turn, I think. I agree. I'm long on Sony. I also think, so for all the reasons uh, Emily just said, and now moving to the content, I, I would go out on a limb here and say in terms of content, they've replaced Pixar uh, uh, the smart, as the smart choice for content. I say this with, you know, uh, in, in thinking of Lightyear and, and even Onwards, which was, you know, uh, and compared to the Mitchells and, and Spider-Verse, which were really, you know, the thinking babies content. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm there for that. So, yes, agreed. Completely long. Creatively great, but also appealing yeah. to kids. You yeah, know, and exactly. I think Pixar have just gotten too much in their own heads with, and like I loved Soul and I loved, you know, it's just, they're beautiful, but like Mitchell's, yeah. everybody can enjoy. Exactly. And it's energetic. And Spider Verse, I thought Spider Verse mm. was, was massive, was really brilliant. So, yes, I'm long on Sony. I love the idea of the thinking toddler's choice. That's brilliant. Or the thinking baby's choice. Excellent. We're coming up with fantastic phrases, actually, uh, this episode. Probably the best ever. Uh, Maureen, uh, yeah, your thoughts on Sony? Okay, Sony, I am also long. Um, uh, You know, during the big experiment of, uh, you know, when everybody decided to uh, develop their own streaming service and their plus uh, you know, Sony stood firm, said no, uh, backed the cinema, uh, theatrical distribution. Everybody thought, oh, they're just really slow. They just haven't got their act together. 
But I actually think it was probably a tactical move. And I think that they're probably pretty, pretty good at what they do. Um, not quite sure about the arms dealer bit, but I do. I think I understand it now <laughs> a little bit better. Um, but also smartly, I think they just picked up uh, Piximondo, uh, the VFX uh, post-production house. So I think they're game, they're active uh, and they stand firm. Uh, so I'm a big cinema lover and, you know, I thought that they did justice by standing by and not enabling the death of cinema. So I, I think it's very all very encouraging. I'm long. It, yeah. It's funny how you're, you're, you're giving a lot of long to um, some of those established names that you might might think of sort of the, the old fashioned old players like Sony and Paramount. That's uh, that's actually quite interesting. And carry on uh, in this game that was called Long and Short, but soon to be renamed uh, broadly, I agree with Emily. Um, uh, we are going to be talking about <laughs> HBO Max. HBO Max, I've got to go short. I mean, they've had a spectacular self-implosion on, on the on the kids' front in, over the summer. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just... Uh, I don't know what they want to do. I don't know what they want to do. That they had DC League of Super Pets hit their platform in terms of, um, you know, a, a theatrical release that went there. The numbers were small. Obviously, HBO Max is is lower penetrated than Netflix, but it is in line with Disney+. Plus. So they were probably smaller than I would have expected. Um, and it's so strange because they have lots of established kids franchises. So I don't know why they went. So I don't, you know, it's, it's kind of balance sheetery is, is what I, what I call it. You know, they obviously wrote off a load of series, um, and they probably burned a lot of bridges in the animation industry by doing that. Um, and yeah, I, I think they, they, they haven't figured out where they want kids, what they want for their kids offering. Obviously Cartoon Network sits within the bigger Warner family, they have so much, and yet they just don't seem to want it. So I don't get it. So it's definitely a short. I like me. the idea of them not really knowing what to do with their kids. It's uh, it's something that uh, we, we can yes. all possibly relate to. Uh, Claire, <laughs> HBO Max. I agree. It's a short. I'm I'm quite sad actually. I worked with Garton Networks network uh, a few years ago uh, as a consultant, and and you're right. I mean, they have such brilliant content. Uh, and they really owned that young boy area, which is quite hard to get to in a way that, you know, I, I think it's fantastic from a from a franchise perspective, from a merchandise perspective, etc. And I think the people who took over just don't understand it and they they don't want to take the time to understand it. So I'm a short on Was on that, that the Dexter's yeah. Laboratory and the Home for Imaginary Friends era? Is that what we're talking about, Claire? Yeah, they, would, they yeah. were terrific. And then like yeah, Ben Ten, time. Ben Ten ben was 10 the rocks. big one, and you know Rick and Morty was them too, and uh, Gumball. I mean, they had such amazing kids brands that were really, and this is when I say young boy, they were gender neutral. You know, it wasn't the Disney princess. There were things. Gumball was incredibly well written. Mm. You yeah, know, and yeah. it was just really it was. And truly original, you know, yeah. like true, like not just because with streamers now, it's just it's all derivative content you know yeah. whereas a new hit is so fresh and so such an opportunity oh adventure time as well they did i mean yeah. there's so much there that was just very unique and so uh yeah it's it short. was quite impressive when you looked at a kid's show that your kids are watching and you go that's actually quite a clever metaphor or that's that's actually quite a clever moral uh moral outcome that they'll probably understand um and Maureen, finally, of course, the last uh, the last comment should be uh, left to you. Uh, HBO Max, long or short, what are you going to say? I'm going to say an aspirational Ooh, long. Interesting, new because category. I, 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 
I want want to believe this is going to see a U-turn and and get back to its former self. Um, And I say that because I reckon there's a clean up a sweep out of old guard and in comes the new, I reckon. So um, I, I aspirational long for me because it, it, it's got to. It cannot It cannot destroy the brand that is a super brand. Uh, so, um, yeah. Okay, yeah. Long. Yeah, super brand. No, I get that. That's great. Uh, that was good. Excellent. Uh, excellent discussions. As, as ever. I love the discussion about how difficult it is to uh, be cool in front of a teenager. It reminds me of a conversation with my son who's working for MPC actually. So he's doing a post-production video and stuff. And he said to me, you know, in the nineties, dad, was it, was it just, did, did you find it easy to find a girlfriend? And I said, well, then no, not, not as easy as you seem to Charlie. But then again, I wasn't quite as cool as you are. And he just went, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I see what you mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, of course, I'm cooler than you, Dad. Fact, even from when you were younger. But uh, uh, so that's why I agreed with that. What a great discussion. We haven't got nearly uh, enough out of Emily's. We need to, I think. We're going to ser- seriously going to have to uh, in- invite her back. Um, thanks uh, ever so much, Emily. That was brilliant. Thank you. Thanks, guys. And also, as usual, thanks to Maureen and Claire. And uh, we will see you next time on The Media Beat. But for now, I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for listening and bye-bye.